start in Psalm 34, verse 9. And this is actually taken out of the Message Bible, and it's so appropriate for this weekend. It says, worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. Isn't that what we want? We want to see the goodness of God. We sing that song, the goodness of God. And, you know, isn't it interesting that the, the goodness of God really equates to the glory of God? Did you know that? Because his goodness is his glory. And, you know, it says in Exodus 33, uh, verses 18 and 19, I'm going to be reading from the New King James from now on, but it's Moses tells God, he said, please show me your glory. And what is the first thing that God tells him back? He says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And you know what? Tonight, God wants to make his goodness pass before you. He wants to bring his goodness into your life. And, and really, it is his glory. It's who he is. God's good. His glory encompasses everything of who he is. We were talking about that in prayer. He's our healer. He's our provider. He's our deliverer. He's our restorer. He's our salvation. He is everything. It's all of who he is is his glory. Amen? And all of who he is should be coming through all of us. Right? And it should all be coming. We should be seeing his provision. We should be seeing his healing. We should be seeing his salvation. We should be seeing restoration. Amen? He's restoring his bride. So worship opens the door for his glory. And I believe God is calling his worshipers in this season. I believe it's time for the worshipers to, to arise. You know, the ones in John... Chapter 4, verse 24, we know this one. Those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Because like Jenny was saying, Pastor Jenny was saying, he wants to take us deeper. You know, we can all, we're being transformed, right, into his image. It says from glory to glory, from glory to glory. So every time we come in, we're being changed. And that's part of our open doors, too, our, our new doors to our new season. Because when you get those keys, it's, it's bringing revelation to another area where we may have been in darkness. And so when you get the key, then you're opening the door and there's more light, right? There's more light, there's more revelation coming in, and now you're able to go through a new door because of what was revealed to you by his spirit. You know, worship is a lifestyle. I love the song choices for tonight. I just, like Pastor Jenny was saying, I feel like everything has just been in God's divine order. And I feel like even this message just fits in with everything, everything that was done tonight. And, you know, true worship, we know worship is a lifestyle, right? It's not where we just come to church. I think we've all come to that place, I hope, where we know that it's not just coming to church on Sunday and Tuesdays. It's who we are every day, right? Jesus wasn't one person on Monday and somebody else on Tuesday. He was the same all the way through. And that's, how, that's what a worshiper is, right? We're always, our heart is always before the Lord. Our heart is always about Jesus. And true worship comes from a pure heart. And I think that now, more than ever, we need to come before the Lord daily, you know, we're, we're in a season and a time, 
in this world where we really can't afford not to be seeking God every day. Because if he's the one that orders our steps, right, then we need to really make sure that we're seeking him so that our steps are ordered. We need to really be tuned in. And, you know, part of that is seeking him daily and saying, God, I'm coming before you this morning, Lord. I love you. I worship you. I thank you, God, for who you are to me. And, Lord, even if you never did another thing, God, you're good. You're so good. Just saving me was enough. Amen? Just allowing me to know you was enough. But, Lord, you're so much more than that. Because he loves us so much, he just keeps on wanting to pour out. Isn't that something? That's how Jesus is. He's always giving. And that's how we're supposed to be, too. Worshipers are always giving. Giving unto the Lord. Giving of our hearts. Giving in areas where we can. We're here to serve, just like Jesus. And like I was saying, I think we need to come before him every morning and say, you know what, God? Search my heart. Search my heart. Because we don't want anything that's going to hinder us. We don't want anything that's going to block us or cause a wall between him and us, right? And so we need to ask the Lord, God, if there's anything in me, show me. Show me. Reveal it to me. And you know, if it's something on our end that we need to repent of, then repent. And allow the blood of Jesus to wash and cleanse you so that you can come back before his presence, right? That's where the times of refreshing come after repentance, and, you know, we need to have that heart. We really do. We need to have that. We need to stay tender. We need to stay open. We need to stay willing and humble so that we can really hear what he wants to say. You know, Matthew 5, 8 is, <laughs> is the truth. It says, a pure in heart will see God. And I don't know about you all, but I don't think you'd be here if you didn't want to see God. Amen? You know, we're told to come... When we worship, it says in Psalm 100, verse 4, it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Right? So we're entering in at the gates. So we come with our thanksgiving for everything he's done and praise for all his mighty works. And if you've ever studied the tabernacle of the Old Testament, the gate was just the entrance, right? It was just the beginning, and everyone from the priest to the common worshipers entered through this gate. And there was, there was a curtain about 30 feet long, and it was made of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and linen that was twisted. And the blue stood for the deity, the Godhead. And purple represented royalty, right, because we serve a king. And red was for the, the sacrifice, the blood, and, you know, the priests always had to wear white garments, you know, representing holiness. And isn't that a picture of us? We're supposed to be a bride without spot or wrinkle. We're supposed to be pure and holy before the Lord. And I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves, because we all can get into that place where we are struggling, right? Where we're questioning, maybe even where we're doubting. And I think sometimes it's important for us to come back here and really remind ourselves who we're serving. That when you're coming before God and you're worshiping, you're worshiping royalty. You're worshiping a king. 
who paid a great price for you to come boldly into his presence, right? We don't have to slaughter animals. There is no bloodshed that's required. His blood was enough. And now we're able to go into the Holy of Holies. We're able to go into that place. And that really is the place of worship on the altar where Jesus laid down his life. That's a worshiper. It's us laying down our life. It's Romans 12.1. Present your bodies a living. We're living sacrifices. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. That's what it says, our reasonable service. It's our worship. You know, I want to share something I heard from Benny Hinn because I think it's important when you're talking about worship because I also think it shows us our revelation of, of who Christ is, of who Jesus is to us. And he said, first, we know him as our Savior. He said that in order to truly worship that you should know him in all of these ways, in all four ways. So the first way is to know him as your Savior. So first we have to come to Christ. The second way that we know him is as the Son of Man. And the scripture that I relate to with this is Hebrews 4, verse 15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So he experienced all of our struggles. He experienced all of our temptations, the things that we would have to suffer. So first he saves us, and then he relates to us. The third way that we know him is as the Son of God. Matthew 16, verses 15 through 17, Jesus asks his disciples, Who do you say I am? And Peter answers him and says, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus responds back to him saying, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And now we see him moving in the power, right? Now we see him moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now he's the son of God. And you know, tonight, I even feel like the Lord's asking you, who do you say I am? What is your revelation of him? Who is he to you? Is he, is he just your savior? Have you known him as the son of man? Have you known him as the son of God? And the last way that we would know him is as the king of glory. We see him as the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave. He rose from the dead, and it says he led captivity captive. Revelation 1, verse 18, it says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Jesus, what does Jesus hold? The keys. Amen? Psalm 24, verses 7 through 10, lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you age-abiding doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? 
the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. He's the one that fights for us, right? And you know what? This is where we need to, I think this is where we need to get to. We need to be in this place. We need to see him as the king of glory. We need to see that he's conquered all. We need to see that nothing is impossible for him. We need to see that every obstacle that's in our way will be moved through him. Amen? Every door that's before you will be opened through him. He has every key. Amen? But you need to know it. We need to know it. It's not enough for us to think it. It's like we're worship. We have to know whom it is we serve. And we need to know what it is that he holds in his hands and what he's released to us. Amen? You know, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking of Hezekiah. And, you know, if you've ever studied Hezekiah, he was just an amazing king. He really was. There's so many kings. If you, as you read through the Bible, there's so many kings that were awful, right? They were idolatry. There was, they were idolatrous. They were always, always um, Baal worship. There was all this stuff. But Hezekiah, it says, there was none like him after him or before him. He was really um, tearing down all those those. Baal worship, all the places of idolatry that were in the land, he tore all of that down, and it says that he trusted in the Lord. And I love this because I was reading this, and in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 15, he's coming before the Lord in prayer because this Assyrian king is, like, taunting him and basically saying, like, I don't know who you think you are, but your God is not going to save you. And he kept coming around with that. And he would tell the people that were under Hezekiah, like his messengers, and he would say, you know, you shouldn't believe him because we've conquered every other land and we're going to take yours too. And I love Hezekiah. I just love how he approached the Lord because he says in 2 Kings 19.15, this is how he comes. He says, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You made heaven and earth. And then he goes on and he says, incline your ear. And he goes on with his request. What would happen, ladies, if we came before God like that? And you know what that tells me? That tells me that was his revelation of who God was to him. He was talking out of what he knew. What do you know about God? Because you know what? That's part of us approaching boldly is us knowing the God that we serve, knowing that he is more than able. Amen? Knowing that he holds the keys. We need to have the revelation of who he is, and we need to be very confident in it. Amen? He worshiped and prayed from that position. You know, there's times that worship... You know, through us worshiping God, he'll release keys to us, right? He'll tell us things. But then there's also times where we can worship God, and he'll just open the door. Amen? You didn't, you didn't need a key. 
That was your key. And we see it with Paul and Silas in Acts 16, 24 through 26. It says they were put into an inner cell. Their feet were fastened in the stocks. But at midnight, they were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. How powerful is that? So not only did their prayer and worship break their chains, but it broke everybody else's too. Everybody's chains were loosed. Do you see the power in your worship? You can pray, but you know what? In worship, you can do even a lot more. Because it's not just you. You're not just praying for one person. You're just worshiping and pouring, and you're giving the, the Lord of hosts, the King of glory, an opportunity to set people free through your praise and through your worship. I mean, when I first got saved, I had this happen to me. I had been diagnosed with fibromyalgia, and it's really a oppressive, oppressive thing for anybody that's ever had it. It's just, it's just, it's, it's a weight. It's a, it's oppression. It's pain, and I think a lot of it is rooted emotionally and and from trauma, just based on my experience. But um, I was new to the Lord. Right, And I really didn't know a whole lot at that point, but I knew how to praise God. And so that's what I did. And I would feel some relief when I'd praise God. And I'd have to praise him hard, <laughs> you know, because it was very heavy. And, um, but you know what? God is so good because I'll tell you what, that's all I did. I'll just be honest with you. That's all I did. I praised. I praised in worship every day. I'd praise God. I'd praise God. I'd praise God. I'd shout. I, I mean, top of my lungs. I'd be in my car just praising and worshiping. And it took about six months. And because God has just a tremendous sense of humor, on October 31st, um, which we all know whose holiday that, that was, um, I happened to be meeting with a friend and she had driven all the way down from Minnesota, and I really didn't feel like meeting with her because I was just feeling that oppression. But I was like, there's no way I cannot go. She drove all this way, and it's not about how I feel. I'm going to go, and we're going to spend the day together. And so we did. And as I was getting in my car, I'm just getting all my stuff set. I start to pull away. Something just cracked right over the top of me. I could feel it. And you know what? All that praise, all that worship, eventually it broke. And you know what? The foundation, right? I mean, think about it. The foundations. Do you have pain in your body? That's a foundation. There's things that are rooted in you that praise and worship will shake loose. But it's how, you know what I mean? It's, it's your heart. How hard are you going to go after it? Because you know what? It's not like they were saying. It's not about singing a song. Everybody can sing a song. But where is your heart when you're singing your song? It's the heart of worship, right? It's like that song we sang years ago, the heart of worship. It's, it's more than a song, right? It's about your heart. But I'll tell you what, if your heart is in that place and you're worshiping God, he is looking, 
you know what? He is going to bring the breakthrough for you. He's going to open the door for you. He is not a respecter of persons. He did it for me. He did it for Paul and Silas. And I'm sure there's probably people here he's done it for as well. So he'll do it for you too. You know, I think about worship and praise. It's so powerful, especially for those of us that get in our head. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody. I'm talking to myself then. but Because <laughs> it, it's easy to do that. Right? We think and we think and we think and we can think ourselves right in a pit because we're so thinky. <laughs> and so, but you know what? The one place that the devil can't get you is in your worship. So if you're having a battle in your mind, then you take it to, the, you take it to worship. You start worshiping God. Worshiping, not singing, worshiping. Because when you're worshiping, you're focused on him, right? And so if you think about it, no pun intended there, but you can't have your thoughts and be worshiping him. So what happens? Well, then you get into Psalm 22, verse 3, and it tells us that God inhabits our praises. So in your praise and your worship, he comes in because now it's about him. And now you're bringing in the king of glory, right? Now you're bringing in the breaker that brings the breakthrough. So now you're going to move out of the natural realm, right, out of your fleshly thinking, out of whatever it is, the oppression that you might have been dealing with, and you're just going to praise. And then God's going to come in. And all of a sudden, you're going to move out of the natural, and you're going to move into the supernatural, where all things are possible. Amen? And that is the truth. I mean, we had a flooring business years ago. I'll never forget this. It was amazing. I mean, God knows how to answer you. I'll tell you that. I was, we, had, we were having a rough time. And I remember having to go and do the books every Monday morning. And it had gotten so oppressive because how many of you know when you don't have the money to pay the bills, it's not fun paying the bills. It's a struggle. It's very hard and it can become very heavy. And I just was sitting one morning with the Lord and I said, God, I just can't do this. It's like week after week. It's just like the same thing. And I just, it was just everything in me to get myself to open up the checkbook. It, it just was a battle. And so all of a sudden as I was sitting there, now here's a key. So I was sitting there talking to the Lord, just, you know, coming before him. And I saw myself in our house at the time. I saw myself sitting at my keyboard and just worshiping. And I was like, okay. I was like, all right, Lord. So I, the next Monday, when I, if I have this happen again, that's what I'm going to do. Because he gave me the key, right? So next Monday comes around and it's the same thing. The same oppression, the same dread, the same, ugh, I don't want to do this, you know. And, and for a moment, I had forgotten about it, but then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit quickened to me, remember what I showed you? Remember what I showed you? And so I was like, okay. I didn't feel like it, didn't feel like it at all. But I went into um, the, our room at the time that had my keyboard in it, and I just started worshiping, and I just started praising God. And I'll tell you what happened. As I was doing that, all of a sudden, God opened up the realm of the Spirit to me. And on this side and on this side, I saw stairs. 
And I, I just kept my eyes on Jesus, so it was more of like a peripheral vision type thing. But I saw angels coming down on either side. Now, I didn't know what was happening. I just knew that I was getting help from heaven. And, um, but I just kept worshiping. And after I got done, I went throughout my day. I hadn't talked to my husband really at that point. But at the end of the day, he called me. And he said, Cheryl, this has never happened. But every person that I went to, I closed, their say, I closed the deal. Every single person bought from me. There was over 10, I think there was like 10 different customers. It ended up being like a $40,000 day. Now, I could have prayed, but I don't know if I could have gotten that with my prayers. <laughs> Amen? Look at the power in our praise and in our worship. So you know what? Tonight, you know, wherever you're at, it, maybe, maybe you don't know what to do in your situation. Start with praise and worship. Just worship him. Just worship him. Don't think about it because that's just not going to help you at all. We can't lean on our own understanding. Amen. Just praise him. Just worship. Worship until something happens. Worship until you get an answer. Worship until he speaks to you. Worship until he opens up the realm of the spirit. Worship until the revelation comes. Worship until the breakthrough comes. We cannot be, we have to be diligent, right? We got to keep going. What does it say? Keep asking. Keep knocking, right? Keep seeking. If you don't get it today, then go after it again tomorrow and keep going after it. Just like the widow. What is it? It talks about the persistent widow. It was an unjust judge. He wasn't even a righteous judge. He wasn't even fair. But the reason that he answered her was because she kept coming after him. God's trying to show us. Keep coming. Don't quit. I think sometimes we, we get to the point where we think, oh, you know, he's just not hearing me and, and it's just not, you know, his will or that I be healed or that I be free or whatever. No, that is a lie. You have to press. We have to press. Right? We're not, we're not battling with flesh and blood. Powers and principalities. And the best, this, I think this is the best way to deal with them, really. You know, if you don't have the knowledge of the realm of the spirit, your praise is enough. Amen? Psalm 62, verse 8, says, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And you know, so many times, I mean, I think about this in my life, and maybe some of you can relate to this as well, but I think about, you know, as I'm coming before him in worship, and in, it kind of like intermingles the worship and the prayer. Like our hearts are, it's kind of like you're entwined between that prayer and worship as you're coming before the Lord. And I was thinking about Hannah. I think she is like a tremendous example of a worshiper. And you'll find the story in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And it's about a man named Elkanah who has two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. And Hannah's womb was closed. So she wasn't able to have any children. And the other wife, Peninnah's, wasn't. And it actually, if you read it, it says that she was able to give Elkanah both sons and daughters. And could you imagine how that would be for um, Hannah? 
I mean, I think that would be really difficult. I'm trying to put myself in her place. And it says each year they would go up, all of them, to the house of the Lord to worship. And when they did, it says her rival, Peninnah, provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. And so year by year, when Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, Peninnah provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. So Hannah's door was her womb. That was the door that was closed for her. And it goes on to say that after the, everybody else finished eating, right? So they were up to worship. They all went up to worship. And this woman's provoking Hannah. She's not eating because it, she's just distraught. She's miserable. She's like, this is awful. Like, it's awful. She's suffering. But after they finish eating, it says that Eli the priest was sitting by the doorpost of the tabernacle, and Hannah was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And she then makes a vow to God that if he'll look on her affliction and give her a son, she'll give him back to the Lord all the days of his life. And if you look at 1 Samuel 1, verse 13, it says that Eli was watching her. And it says she spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. And Eli thought she was drunk. But Hannah tells him, no, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. That's a worshiper there. She was pouring out. She was pouring out her pain. She was pouring. And you know what, ladies? This kind of worship, this kind of prayer not only does it open doors, but it births miracles. This is, a, this, is a, this is a place where miracles are birthed. She was passionate. What does it say? It says the, the fervent, effectual, effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. What does it mean to be fervent? It means to be passionate. You know, what did God say? He doesn't want you lukewarm. He wants you hot or cold. You know, I think about even when I came to the Lord, my, it was my whole heart. I'm telling you, it's all about our heart. It really is. Because when I gave him my whole heart, that's when he came into my life. He's not looking for half-heartedness. He's not looking for lukewarmness. He's looking for passion. He's a lover. He's a consuming fire. He's jealous for you. He wants to be number one in your life. And, you know, I can feel Hannah, and I want to talk about this because I think she is somebody that all of us can probably relate to in one way or another. Because I think about her, it says year after year that she was in the same place. And I don't know if there's anybody here, but I've been in that place where I felt year after year, year after year, I feel like I'm in the same place. And maybe you've been waiting for a long time for a certain door to open. But I believe that because of what she endured year after year, 
that she finally came to the point where she was like, I'm done. I'm done. Amen? Because she didn't have to. She could have kept doing what she was doing. She could have kept coming. She could have kept being miserable. She could have kept allowing this woman to torment her. Kind of like the enemy torments us. But she made up her mind that she was going to go and worship and she poured out her heart. I mean, that's a desperate woman. She wasn't, she wasn't eating. She was just so distraught and so at the end of herself. And sometimes that's what it takes for us. Really. She was ready. And, you know, we may want to go through a new door and, and enter into a new season. But the truth of the matter is we have to be ready. We have to be ready. And she was. She made up her mind that she was going after. She positioned herself. And really, that position for Hannah was her worship. It was her saying, I'm done, God. I'm surrendering. I'm pouring out to you. I can't change my circumstances, but I know the one who can. And she put all her faith and all her heart and all her love out unto God. I mean, that is really worship. I mean, she's basically saying, God, I want this child so bad but I don't want it bad enough that I won't give them back to you. This woman wanted something so badly that when she finally got it, she gave it back to God. It's kind of like Abraham, right? What did God ask him? God told him, oh, you're going to have a son. Well, he finally gets the son, and what does God tell him to do? Go up and sacrifice but you know what? I think that's a key for a lot of us, too. We have to be willing to lay it down. We have to be willing to put it on the altar. I think a lot of times God wants to give us the desires of our heart, but he doesn't want it to be an idol. So if you can't lay it down, he's probably not going to give it to you because he's not going to want it to be a stumbling block in your life and a hindrance, right? Because then you're going to put that thing before him. And so he made sure that with Abraham, there wasn't anything before him. He received his promise, but Abraham was willing. Did God make him? No. He didn't make him sacrifice his son, but he just wanted to make sure that he was willing to do it. And I think that's the case for us too. You know, whatever it is you're believing for, whatever it is that you're desiring, whatever the promise is, are Think about it. Are you willing to let it die? You may not have to, but are you willing to? Right? So Hannah was ready for something new. And she was ready to leave that old stuff behind. And so you know what, ladies? Are you ready for something new? Are you ready to leave the old behind? Amen. We have to let, if you're going to have something new, you've got to release something old. Right? We don't take the old in with us to the new. They don't work together. You know, I was thinking about the mother of Jesus. I was thinking of Mary as well. And normally I wouldn't think like, oh, that's a great example. But it sort of is. Because the more I thought about it, Mary had to have been a worshiper. She had to have been. You know, I think about, she. it says she was related to Zechariah and Elizabeth, right? It says they were related. And 
it talks about Elizabeth and Zacharias. You know, he was a priest. And if you study, Elizabeth actually came from a line of priests. So these people were worshipers. They were set apart for God. They served God. So, you know, I'm saying if Mary is connected to them, she's probably the same. But I think about her life, and it amazes me because I'm thinking Mary probably wasn't thinking, one day I would like to give birth to the Son of God. Right? I don't think she was thinking that. I'm sure that that thought never occurred to her. But you know, as I was thinking about this, you know what? Her position of worship and how she lived her life opened that door. God was so pleased with her that it happens in Luke 1.28 that the angel comes and says, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And you know, even her response, what does she say? She's like, let it be to me according to your word. That is a worshiper. That's somebody that believes God. Because you know what? Think about it. John the Baptist, his dad, he was mute. Why? Because he didn't believe. This woman was all in. So it wasn't really about anything specific that she did. It was about who she was. She was a worshiper. She positioned herself before God in such a way that this tremendous blessing and favor was poured out upon her life. I know sometimes we think we have to do something, you know? I mean, in religion, it's all about your works. It's really not about doing, it's about being. It's about being a worshiper. It's about being someone that loves the Lord and just wants to serve him every day and say, God, what do you want to do today? I just want to love you. What can we do today, Jesus? Amen? And you know, you really can't talk about worship without talking about David, right? Because David was a tremendous worshiper. And, you know, it says he was a man after God's own heart. And then it talks about the key of David. I was thinking about that with this, too, because I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, Isaiah 22, 22, it talks about it. And in Revelation 3, 7, and if I'm being honest, I haven't studied this deeply, but just what I do know is a lot about that key represents authority and government, you know. And if you think about it, I really, I'm sure some of you will probably agree with me. I'm sure the reason that David was in that position was because he was a worshiper. That worship, that heart of worship brought him to a high place where all of a sudden he became a king. He went from a shepherd to a king. You know, he was a warrior, he was a king, he was a shepherd. And beyond all of that, though, David wanted a resting place for the presence of the Lord, right? He's a worshiper. Do you want a resting place for the Lord? Do you want him to rest on you? You know, all throughout we can see how those that worshiped God, some of them didn't even have to ask. They didn't even have to ask for the things that came into their life. It's because of how close they were to the Lord. It's because they loved him. It's because they worshiped him. It's because they poured themselves out and just said, God, I just want you. Amen? 
And I want to look at two accounts of the woman with the alabaster flask. She is probably one of the most powerful examples of a worshiper. In Luke 7, 36 through 38, it says, One of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. You know, I even think about that. She had to have known who he was. She had to have a revelation of who he was to come and stand behind him weeping like that. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. This is such a great example for us because she completely poured, she completely gave of herself. You know, I feel like that's what it's all about. It's all about just letting ourself go and getting lost in him. Actually not getting lost, finding ourself in him. Amen. You know, she wasn't looking for water to pour on his feet. Her tears were the water. She wasn't looking for a cloth to wipe them off. She used her hair. Everything about her was worship unto God. And you know, in Matthew 26, 7, it's kind of the same situation. It says, a woman comes up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and pours it on his head. And what I find amazing about this is that if you go on, even his very own disciples, so those that sat with him, those that were taught by him, those that watched him, it says they were indignant when they saw this woman do this. They were indignant. Not just the Pharisees. These were his disciples, the ones who walked with him. And they were angry. They were, why waste it? Why did you waste it? We could have sold this and given it to the poor. But Jesus said in verse 10, she has done a beautiful thing to me. So you know what? Everybody else was judging what she was doing, and they were angry about it. But Jesus said, it's beautiful. What she did for me was beautiful, which is why we can't ever judge anybody's worship. You can't ever judge, because you don't know, you really don't know what their heart is. God's the one that knows their heart. And he goes on to say, for you always have the poor with you but you will not always have me. And in pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached, in the whole world, what, this, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And you know, when I was reading this, I had found a place, and it actually said that that oil could have cost as much as like $50,000. You know, so that could have been, I don't know. I don't know what a year's wage is back then. But either way, she was ready to pour it all out. She poured it all out on Jesus. And I don't know. Is God asking for you to pour something out? 
you know, even letting go. Like I said, we have to, there's something, if God's going to give you your key, then there's something that he's going to want you to let go of. And I'll tell you, in my life, it's been control. That's something that he spoke to me a few weeks back. I could feel it. Because if you want to go higher, then there's something, there is something he's going to require of you. I mean, it's going to cost you something. <laughs> but what you get is going to be way worth it, right? It's why we count the cost. And so, you know what? All of these people worshipped. And some of them worshipped and the doors just opened. Some of them, you know, the keys were given. But you know what? My question to you tonight is what doors will your worship open? Right? How passionate are you for God? How much are you willing to lay down? How much are you willing to pour out? How much are you willing to let go? I mean, that is so huge. We're so used to being in control. You know, we live in a world where it's about us, right? Everything is about me and selfies and, you know, really, it's about us. And so we really need to come to that place where we're saying, no, Jesus, it's not about me. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. So not only will he give you the keys, he might just open your doors. You might not even need keys. He might just open it for you. Amen? So tonight, I wanted to do a song um, because you know what? Everybody here, I'm sure, is believing for something. I'm sure there's something everyone here is, there's some desire, there's some promise that God's given you, there's something that you're believing for. And you know, this song I feel like is so appropriate. Let's believe for it. Amen? Let's just come into a time and really worship God and really believe the words that we're saying. Let's believe it. Let's believe that God is going to do it. Let's believe that he's going to give you your keys. Let's believe that he's going to open your doors. Let's believe that tonight it's done. We're receiving it. We're believing it. He's handing it to us. You know, when we were back there in prayer, I was getting that same impression, I, and I felt that. I could see him hand, handing the key. He's handing you the keys, and we just need to grab hold of them, right? Because that's a whole nother thing. That key can be floating all around you, but if you don't grab hold of it, it's not going to do you any good, right? So grab hold of the keys tonight, amen?
Well, now we're going to enter into an act of worship, also known as offering. <laughs> 